Hey everybody, welcome to the Third Deck Lounge podcast. Today we are here with Mason Rod, um, creator of Dead Gunner uh, Poetry. I can't say your last name, man. I tried. <laughs> it's all good. Well, I, I literally just told you to go by it. Yeah, Rod. Like, so. like, fuck it, we'll do it live. But yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. Bro, bro, bro Drake, it gave a lot of people a lot of problems in the Marine Corps. A lot of people, So your last name's on your shirt, obviously. People walking up to me like, right. where's the Z at the end of your name? And I'd be like, where's the Z? <laughs> I'd, just, I'd say something smart like where's the z at the end of your name yeah like, oh. yeah yeah like, oh, man i think oh, we're... I'm, I'm not an idiot walking around with misspelled camis yeah 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 man i'm excited for this i think we're gonna have a real great conversation um it's really interesting what you do and it's such a new thing um that's come out recently and pages like yours have actually inspired other people to start their own and um for those of you that don't know, he runs Dead Gunner uh, Poetry, and Gunner Poetry. Gunner Poetry, yeah, Gunner Poetry, dead, and at, at Dead Gunner Poetry, like yeah, like okay, a Dead Gunner, like a Dead Gunner drill. Gotcha. So, oh, so that I was wondering why you picked that name, but yeah, that makes sense now. Dead Gunner drill, yeah. 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 So what what got you into poetry, and like where where did you? Because I mean, when most people think of poetry, they think of like, you know, like like uh, almost. Um, kids or like that shit you learned in school but like yeah yeah you just know it's literature but like you actually took it and created this like beautiful art that's just expressing things that people can't almost uh put words to but like it are just like emotions and things like that from experiences that they put um that you put words to and i just i'm I'm just gonna let you do your thing man how'd you uh how'd you get into that so I'll be honest. I'm not the the first veteran poet um, from the the global war on terror generation. So if you if you look back, right, um, World War One produced a ton of incredible poets, um, and it, they're not as well known now because it's it's been a while, obviously. But um, I mean, that was such a like you know you were in three six, I was in one six, so we know the history of that war very well. It was mm-hmm. a horrific war it was yeah. the beginning of it was the beginning of modern war it was the beginning of of heavy machine guns and artillery and shelling and all these things so you know the the poets came back from that war and wrote extensively about just like the what what to me what veteran poetry is is we go through this experience where we become a marine or you become a soldier or you go through that transformation in boot camp and then getting ingrained into the culture of, of the infantry most veteran writing is centered around the infantry um but that experience is is dehumanizing in so many ways and i think what leads a lot of veterans back towards poetry is they're they're trying to find who who they are underneath that experience again they're trying to get back in touch with who am i like where like where is my like like before i was a marine i was a person and i had my own thoughts and feelings and I was in touch with them and I knew how to process them and the Marine Corps kind of short circuits so much of that. So, you know, going back to World War One, there were, you know, not as much poetry, but World War Two produced, you know, with the old breed um, by, oh, uh, that's uh, something with the old breed was uh, Eugene Sledge. Yeah, that's that's who I was about to say. Helmet for my pillow, Bob Leckie, machine gunner. I personally am a bigger fan of, of Helmet for My Pillow because he writes like with the old breed is a very like uh 
I'm sort of looking for it. It's almost scholarly. He mm-hmm. went back to become a college professor. He was incredibly well-read and well-educated. Bob Leckie was a journalist, and he wrote about these battles that he went through on Guadalcanal and being a machine gunner in a, in a kind of a poetic fashion. Mm-hmm. And then there was there's a ton of other amazing wars that have come from that war. Um, you get into Vietnam, like the things they carried, Matterhorn, great works of literature. Um, what's interesting to me, and I'm gonna I'm gonna hit on this. Like most people know of the movie Jarhead, but Jarhead as a book is an incredibly well written book. It's a deeply human book. It's it's this guy. We've all seen the movie, but he wrote he writes this book years and years later as he's trying to unpack his Marine Corps experience. And what's interesting enough is. You know, so we both served kind of at the end of the the global war on terror, right? Like DD-214 likes to call it GWAT light. Um, GWAT light is incredibly similar to what Desert Storm veterans went through. Um, Because his entire book of Jarhead is about going through the experience of becoming a Marine, never killing anyone. And in Mm -hmm. that movie, the only time you see a gun shot is in training before they go, they sit in that desert forever. They get frustrated. They start having middle breakdowns. There's the, there's that amazing scene where he like is pointing his like loaded rifle at the, the guy who like screwed him on Firewatch. It's, this is all in the book. And is it all true? I don't know, but it's, it's, it's an incredible story. And if you sit down and read Jarhead, you get, you grasp what it means if you take combat out of it, you realize like just the experience of four years in a victor unit as a Marine is an incredibly like jarring experience. Yeah, it's, it is. It's traumatic. It's, 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 there's to go through that and then to try to step back into society. Right. So war is a racket is very popular right now. Smedley Butler, um, dead reckoning collective is, is republishing it. Um, you know, because it's relevant right now. A lot of people are talking mm-hmm. about the military industrial complex. But in that book, Smedley Butler writes about the fact that the the military asks these young men to come do this, and it forms them into these, it, it files young men down to be weapons, to become a, a someone who is honed and centered in and, and just focused on combat. And then he says, and then we ask, he was talking about World War One veterans, so they want experience all that. He says, and then we asked them to do an about face and go home as if it didn't happen. Yeah, and, I I think that's like the probably the most dramatic, not like actually dramatic, but like the most um dramatic I guess, or traumatic. I guess uh dramatic, but yeah. I don't even know if this is really the right adjective for this, but like when you get to to that EAS, when you or saying goodbye to all your friends, like all these people. I thought, I always think it's absolutely insane. We go through so much together, even in, and we were just in during peacetime, you know, these, these dudes that were in during the war, obviously were just so much more closer and had gone through so much more. And, and then all of a sudden it's just over. You go back to where you're from that. I think you'd be, I think you'd be shocked. I I think the bonds are, are really just as strong with or without, the combat experience. Mm-hmm. Um, so were, were you with the 3-6 deployment that did Syria? No, no. I came uh, after after that. So I, I was, um, I my my unit, I had my cap platoon attached to Charlie, and then we ripped out. We, we went replaced 3-6. 
So three, it, it once again, similar to the Jarhead experience, I rode around in a, a Matt V behind a 50 cal for, um, I think my platoon commander docked it at like 4,000 miles by the end of the deployment. Um, nothing happened. We don't control the ROE. You cannot make war happen to you. It just has to happen. You know, if we were in places that were known ISIS there, it, it was, it was, we were in the middle of the epicenter of all this and the, the ISIS just did not engage. Hmm. What you can do about it. Right. Yeah. So we were a, a, a close group and a close unit, but when we reintegrated back into one six, at first there was kind of this whole, like, all oh, these guys think they're better than us. It was, it was a bit of a rip, but eventually we all did reintegrate and my closest bonds don't always have anything to do with that deployment or, or, or going there. It's a tight knit group for sure. But the, the, the bonds are formed honestly in those field ops and at the bricks. Mm. Right. And then, you know, I, I, I can't speak like, I really can't speak to other, every unit is different. Like we were talking about right. before this, like yeah, one yeah. six, like we were talking about before we, we, we went, recording but like one six while i was in it after my peer group became senior they were all incredibly tight-knit because weapons company had split up to each unit for a completely to each line company for a completely different deployment and when they all reintegrated weapons company then started kind of drawing all these guys together like at barracks parties and just generally and socially we became an incredibly tight-knit battalion which is not super common when i was a boot we had our 100th anniversary and it was a there was a, a four way brawl between all the companies. I mean, I've never seen so many people fighting in my life. But um, I it it just it it is the Marine Corps itself, the infantry culture, that way of life. It just bonds people incredibly tight. But to circle kind of back to what got me into to poetry and all that and writing, I, I was always an avid reader. I read a ton of books about the war on terror about World War One, um, you know, I, I've read Jarhead multiple times, gone through, underlined certain passages where I was just like, damn, that's like good writing. It's like really good writing, you know, and I've given that away to people and said, this is my like marked copy of it and then made a whole new one, um, you know, but the, the global war on terror has for some reason toward the end of it, you know, we produced the lone survivors and the American snipers and all these books that almost fall into propaganda, in my opinion, um, super pro, like this whole like Navy SEAL, like soft is so fucking cool thing, mm -hmm. right? Which is great. Soft is badass. But, you know, when we served toward the end, it was this feeling where like being in the Marine Corps infantry, like just wasn't enough because we weren't soft. And I always hated that, you know, mm -hmm. because I, I thought the guys that I served with were fucking badass. They were tough dudes. They yeah. mastered they mastered their craft. They were brilliant in the basics. And if you ask other militaries about the Marine Corps, like the other militaries will kind of serve around our soft units, but they serve with the Marine Corps. And other militaries, foreign militaries, are incredibly impressed with the Marine Corps. And they, they should be. Um, but towards 2015, right, you had guys like Leo Jenkins starting to push out a lot of poetry. Guys like Luke Ryan, uh, 
I want to say they were both range. I know I know Leo Jenkins was Ranger. Mm-hmm. Luke Ryan was a Ranger. I think he was a Ranger. I'm, I'm um, not so familiar with them myself. So I, I'm very familiar because I'm kind of very ingratiated into this veteran writer community. Uh-huh. But yeah, so Luke Ryan pushed out a couple books of poetry. Justin Thomas Egan was with Second Combat Engineer Battalion, attached to different grunt units. But he did two deployments through Sangin and was the the 50 cal gunner for his Combat Engineer platoon blown up multiple times he's self-published seven books of poetry about it um yeah he broke i think he broke the walls down for this veteran poetry thing and he did it himself almost entirely self-published it's so i I read guys like david rose was a recon marine he published a book called no joy um it was originally titled spent shell casings 25 and five stories so you know how you know how pigs in like recon they'll do 25 and five mm-hmm. yeah last five reps they're like sniper 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 yeah like, yeah, recon, yeah, recon, yeah recon, whatever it they'll, is they'll spell, yeah they'll spell they'll spell recon or something but mm-hmm. no joy i read that book right before i enlisted and it's incredible because david rose just tells a very honest story instead of this like very glorified like i joined the marine corps because i want i love america and baseball and mom and pop and apple pie he was like I joined the America. I, he's like, I joined the Marine Corps because I was like a scene kid and like, you know, from a divorced family and like was into punk rock and it, and like the Marine Corps was just like the last place that was like counterculture for him and it was a place where like, you know, like it was edgy and it was it was tough. It was like that's why a lot of guys that we know joined because the Marine Corps infantry is a place where it's a grown fucking man's world it's yeah it's prison it's prison rules man like yeah by the end know, of this we everybody signed up for a challenge and and to be to become better and i think that we definitely we we all leave this with something there's always everybody takes something out of this experience you take like, you take like an edge away from this for mm-hmm. sure in my opinion but, you know, he was just honest about the fact that, like, a lot of guys come to the military not from this, like, super patriotic place, but from this place of, like, I'm a young man, and they have the monopoly on, like, masculine adventure and danger and risk, and I want that. So, you know, and then he's he's going to do a lot of poetry. Dead Reckoning Collective was uh, founded in, like, 2017, and they started pushing out collections of veteran poetry and i'm like reading this stuff and i'm like it's powerful mm-hmm. and then even going back to like learning to write i was in advanced english i took freshman english as an eighth grader and then was in honors english through throughout after that and i took a they they made like an advanced english class for people who tested into early like me so i you know was i just i excelled with with literature reading writing all anything in that realm in high school just came to me easy so i was exposed to a lot of poetry i'm not one of these people who can just name poets or rattle it off but i understood the craft and i appreciated it for its ability to take a complex thing and say it in a simple way and try to say it in a beautiful way or try to say finding it, it poetry finds ways to to take something ugly and make it beautiful and to take something harsh it, it, it's it's a way to pull like the truth out of an experience yeah man i in a way i love stuff like that because it, it's a way for you to really articulate yourself and really 
talk about what you're feeling. I love reading through Block Three's poems. I love reading through your poems. Um, it's it's really like at time when you can really relate to it. It's it's moving. It's like it's profound and it's it's crazy because there's that connection. It's like someone understands me. And that's the thing. If if you've been through this, you can understand it. Mm-hmm. What what to me is to me what what I judge myself by as a writer is not whether or not other grunts can read it and understand it, um, but whether or not someone who has not lived this experience can read it and be like, "Wow, this is I, I like," and just kind of look at it and say, "Like I never knew this is what a marine grunt went through." Because people have this picture of us where we're these just like unfeeling like tough, just like action heroes. And it's not the case. The reality is that Marine grunts are 18, 19, 20, 21 year old kids. They're going through shit. They're going through hard things in their personal lives while also going through an incredibly hard life choice mm-hmm. and a commitment that they've made that they're living up to every day as, as they're coming of age. So yeah. many of them, you know, yeah. so like you kind of, you, you mentioned like how you're older now and in college and around like younger kids and it's weird, mm-hmm. you know, so I, I went to college, I was trying to be an officer. I got arrested in college um, and did two and a half years of probation. I wasn't getting any younger and I, I wanted to be in the goddamn infantry. Um, and I said, if I, if I can't lead it as an officer, I'm going to enlist. And the recruiters were like, you sure? Like, that's crazy. You're 25 a degree you're going to be getting yelled at by some 19 year old kid and i was like i want in that's that's actually awesome so so this was almost like yeah so what what i'm curious about now is were you into poetry like back when you were were in eighth grade freshman like shit like that i wouldn't wouldn't say into it but you you know like we we try to like narrow poetry as a society into this thing where it's like this kind of like effeminate uh practice but like you know what's poetry is tupac biggie the wu-tang clan mm-hmm. metallica is poetry slayer is poetry right like all these hardcore bands you listen to like they write lyrics that go with that music that music is art i'm not musically inclined i'm tone deaf but what i can do is read lyrics and read and i've always been the kind of person who i would get an album i would listen to it but i would go read the lyrics and listen and read lyrics as i'm listening to music i'm trying to figure out like what are they trying to say and, you know, one by Metallica is the story of a combat veteran who's blown up and lost his arms and legs and is essentially a vegetable, but still conscious in his own mind. That's incredibly, incredibly heavy, powerful That's yeah. thing to write about. Yeah. You know, like Ride the Lightning is an album about. You know, they have a song in there about going to the electric chair, but that's what writers do. They sit down and they try to think of an experience, a human experience and say, what is this like? And Mm -hmm. some of the best stuff is stuff that is very outside of the mainstream. The average person is never going to experience the things we experienced being infantry Marines. Yeah, they they can't even relate to it. Whether whether we went to war or not, just that lifestyle. Yeah, Yeah, there's that four four year block of your life separates you in so many ways it is mm-hmm. a year out i know you're recently out it's it takes a while to to feel like you've transitioned back yeah i've been out for months now and yeah, i it, still it feel takes, weird it doesn't happen overnight but um but so so poetry um it's a lot of things i've, I've always enjoyed seeing like the rhyme schemes and seeing how because you can't a, a song cannot just go on forever Right. You have to take, you have to find a way to get your idea across within 
you know, like what, I, what I know, what's the structure for like hip hop? It's like bars, it's like, right? I guess bars and bars, and they have a hook and a chorus. But I would read the lyrics to their these rap songs and see like the way they structured it. I was about right? to bring that up actually because my I had a really good friend. Uh, I'm still great friends with him. Uh, we used to spend like Friday nights just getting pissed drunk in his room, and we'd be listening to these uh, rap songs. And these were all like New York uh, artists, and my buddy would really, be pausing I really it. Really enjoy New York rappers. Yeah, yeah. My buddy yeah, would be pausing. Way, yeah. yeah, my buddy would be pausing these videos just like you said, and he'd be pointing out like what he just said, and he's like, yeah. And he would always tell me he'd say the way they put these words together to um, sing about or rap about whatever they're talking about, whatever hardship or because it was always there was always uh, something. It wasn't just random rap. It was like it had a topic to it. Really, really good rap is is meant to point out like issues within their society and their community and mm-hmm. what it's like to grow up in those communities. Right. Like that's yeah. like that's what that's what Tupac was about. That's, you know, like that's what good rap was about. And um, so like I grew up in, you know, and in the late 90s, early 2000s, Southern rap really hit the scene super hard. And they often did not really have as much to say, in my opinion. It became very much about like lifestyle, cars, clothes, hoes, and doing drugs. That is the very much like the Southern rap um, vibe a lot of the time. Um, but then you have guys like Lil Wayne, who was an incredibly, like he's the, he's a lyricist unto himself. His Most of his early work was really, really good. I'm a huge fan of Lil Boosie. And Lil Boosie very much is an artist who used hip hop and used rap to tell his story, how he came up. You know, I, I mean, he lives in Atlanta now. He cannot go back to Baton Rouge without getting like shot or attacked. He's just he's gone through too much real life shit in that city. But New, you were talking about it's interesting. New York rappers they have a. They, they have a very like elegant a, way of. They have a vocabulary. Yeah, yeah. Like you, like you. It's almost like you can't rap in that city if you're not a goddamn walking dictionary. Yeah. Very, very interesting. But I, I just I grew up listening to all these different, you know. And Justin Egan, who I mentioned, who's published seven books, he put me on. Uh, Tupac wrote a, a. He wrote poetry. He didn't publish it himself, but his family did after he passed. It's a collection is called The Rose That Grew From Concrete. I, I'm hmm. reading through it, and they're all concise. I'm a big fan of poets who are concise because I'm not. My poems kind of run on a little long. Um, they're belt-fed, if you will. But, um, <laughs> you know, he Tupac could write these incredibly concise poems that were so powerful, and they just expressed his experiences as you know, a young black man growing up in, in South central LA mm-hmm. and it was beautiful. And Justin Egan was like, bro, like Tupac is like the best. Yeah. Poet. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's true. It, uh, I, I was, I, after reading his shit, I'm like, I, I, I think that's true. I, out. He's, he's very talented. Yeah. Yeah. It's incredible, man. And it's, it's even more incredible to me to think about where some of these, uh, poems will originate from like will come from like straight out of the the hood or just in like or or like in the trenches or you know wherever it may be it comes from these like horrible um places at times and people are able to like just elegantly articulate the story the feelings you know the experience and like how it how it affected them 
I'll ask you this. Have you ever heard uh, the song Dance with the Devil by Immortal Technique? No, I don't think I have. It's 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 off of um it's a very simple kind of like piano uh instrumental and it tells the story of like this this young kid in the ghetto who's trying to like get in with like the the real hardcore coke dealers and um it's it's just it's a it's a really gruesome song but he, he tells a story good rap a lot of good rap also with storytelling like biggie smalls was a masterful teller storyteller but anyway a mortal technique dance with the devil it's about how like they're trying to test this kid to see like if he's really a really about that violent lifestyle so they kidnap a woman throw a bag over her head beat her up break her teeth her jaw and like take turns raping her and like it's gonna kind of spoil the song but like that they, they, like they forced him to do this to prove like he was about it turned out to be his mother so he throws himself off the building but the song is about like if you dance with the devil like this is what you get you know? yeah that i played that song so this uh, this is kind of part of my writing process i'll fixate on a song that matches kind of the feeling of what i'm trying to, to what i'm trying to say or tell or talk it, it just it, sometimes it's lyrically will match it sometimes it's will kind of the the actual instrumentals but i played that on repeat and i wrote the ballad of corporal joe's love which is about my friend reese uh jonas joe's love he's one of my best friends he was a recon drop that most recon drops become ROs. Like mm-hmm. every everybody knows that R that radio operator who's a recon drop. So he came in. He was trying to go hard, be be part of you know an elite unit. Um, I think he drowned like once or twice out in the ocean, and then they they just they they medically dropped him. And that's it. That's how that shit ends for a lot of guys. So he becomes an RO. He goes to eighty once. He was not on my deployment when when I come back and we're all seniors. You know, I meet him. He's Corporal Joe's love. He's always blasting boots. He's like at the front of all these ruck runs. I'm like, man, it's got like a really good 81. And they're like, oh, that's the RO. I was like, get the fuck out of here, right? And he just had this, me and him just clicked. He was just a hard dude. He was about like just being a really, really good Marine. And like, that was it. And he, we both, we were both going through some pretty, he was going through some marital issues. I was going through my NJP and in other issues in my lifestyle. So we were both drinking extremely heavy. He had a lot of anger issues. He gets in a fight right before ITX, breaks both his hands, can't go to ITX. I found out while I'm at ITX that he's also popped for cocaine. So he's getting kicked out of the Marine Corps. And it was just one of these things where, you know, he had a he had attitude issues. He didn't get along with his we talked about 81s earlier. 81s platoons mm-hmm. are always like a handful yeah, of platoon yeah. But he was especially just like kind of a problem child for the command. So they, he didn't do himself any favors. They did not think twice about just burning the shit out of him. Um, you know, his his admin separation took forever. He was sent to court martials. He was on restriction for like a couple of months. It was insane, you yeah. know? And I just, I have a soft spot in, in my heart for guys who pop on a drug test and get just kicked out. Because I don't think that should be a zero tolerance thing. I think those guys should be afforded a chance to go to SARP to get their career back on track. I, re- I, I really don't believe that should be a one one and done thing because he had issues, um, but he was a good Marine. But mm-hmm. I used that song. I used the rhythm of that song to write his ballad and tell his story. And essentially, it starts off like, like kind of like Sid Neil Ben, I'm going to tell you this story. I go through his career and how it played out and how he kind of like 
fell and how he made these mistakes and how much it cost him in the end. And, you know, I finish it with like, uh, basically saying like, you know, he may, he may sound like a shit bag, but this much is true. He was one of the best Marines I know. And it can, if it can happen to him, it can happen to you. Yeah. Um, Drug use is extremely common. Yeah, you know? the thing I was, is, um, I was shocked by that. Yeah, it's insane. Um, actually, that story is, uh, that's a pretty incredible story, um, and relatable to me too because I had a senior who was just on top of his shit. Awesome dude, fucking was great at being a marine and like absolutely great at teaching us things and just was a leader. It was someone I looked like when you thought of a leader, I thought of this dude. Somebody and, who, if you're gonna, if you're going down range, you want him on your team. Yeah, and he was getting, uh, he was getting kicked out for for DUI, and I thought I was like, dude, that's literally just a waste. Like this dude is like, that it's just a waste, and you see that so often. I'm I'm all about personal accountability and responsibility, and like taking mm -hmm. looks like a man. So yeah. at my at my two year mark, I took an NJP. I got caught speeding, um, going like I was going like 150 miles an hour. Right. And I was like. It was way, it was reckless. It was way out of yeah, control. Yeah. I was not adjusting well to coming home from my first deployment. I was getting in a lot of arguments with my girlfriend because it went from, we're going to make a decision about whether or not I stay in. We've been together two, two and a half, almost over three years at this point. Yeah. We were both in our late twenties. That's that point where it's like a lot of Marine Corps relationships. Kids are young to get married too early. It's, it's mm -hmm. like a, it's, it's, it's like a one-off. We were yeah. both at that point. We're in our late twenties. We're making our life choices. Yeah, it's like a, yeah. it's a shit or get off the pot relationship. It right. was what I wanted to last, but I was so, so in the Marine Corps. Like the Marine Corps had me. I was, mm -hmm. I was not getting out. I was like, this is for me. I belong here. I'm good at this shit. And it caused a lot of arguments. We broke up. I was fucking around out of town and I get this DUI. I had to go take those lumps, you know, mm -hmm. I had to go stand in front of a, a, a you know, a Colonel, you know, it, it went to regiment because our battalion was deployed. I, you know, so I had not been issued a court date yet and I didn't blow. So I didn't, I didn't get charged. I, I got charged and then I, I was not like convicted of it, but my, some of my command, right? Like first sergeant and up were like, no, do whatever you, you feel you got to do to him. Like we're not going to stick our neck out. But my platoon sergeant and my platoon commander and my section leader all went there and they stood, uh, to their credit, they stood in front of this colonel and they said, he is admitting 100% to disobeying an order and, and being out of bounds and speeding. And he did that. Um, but he, you know, I, I maintained, I said, I did not blow. They have no proof that I, I was driving drunk and I, I, I tried to fight it. Marine Corps doesn't care. They slapped the shit out of me. Mm -hmm. You know, I was, I was being looked at for a meritorious corporal, bam, PFC again, career in the shitter relationship gone. You know, I didn't know what to do. That 45 days of restriction was a dark, dark, dark time in my life. Like restriction, restriction is dark. Like anyone who's been there will tell you like the, it's, it's a shitty, shitty experience. And that's where I began to write. Like at that two year mark, I started looking at myself in the mirror and I was like, who, dude, who the fuck are you? Like, what happened? You are 28 and you just blew it. Everything you've worked for to get to this point, for what? And, and it was one of these things where I had to kind of learn like to, for, to forgive myself, to love myself again, to just look in the mirror and be like, you lost control of yourself. You got caught up in a lot of really big
big things that were happening to you that th there's no like there's no like blueprint for how to handle it. I've talked to like my staff NCOs who are really salty, like Iraq, Afghan vets who I, I just respect. And they all said they're like that first deployment is hard and it's hard to come home from and it's hard on families and it's hard on relationships. And it, it, it really, to me, I think that is the danger zone for young Marines mm -hmm. for, for really for most of us, because you go through boot camp ICD, you hit the fleet, you are locked in, you are disciplined. You're not fucking around. Some kids are, you got your schmuck mm -hmm. talents, you got your, you got your kids to do dumb things, but you're not like risking your shit over, over stupid behavior, you know, and you kind of can't like boots are usually just like trying to hide from their seniors. From right. Yeah. Go on your deployment, you come home and now you have free reign, you know, guys are starting to turn 21. It's kind of what I was getting at earlier when I said too, like I, I enlisted so late, I saw such young guys. They became my peers and my best friends and my brothers. There was always that kind of like somewhat of big brother vibe because I, they were just so young and new to life itself. Mm -hmm. And I'm just watching them go through. I'm struggling to go through this as a grown ass man. And I'm watching and I'm like, it's a lot to ask. Yeah, this it's so like, um, yeah, yeah, dude, it's it's insane. I constantly found myself having to remind myself and even the people around me at times how young we really are, dude. It's insane the things we it's, experience. It's so at, simultaneously, Marines are so young and they have this immaturity because they're still very new to life in a mm -hmm. lot of ways. And on the on the same side of that. They are the most like mature, locked on, professional young men I've ever met in my life. That I, and I, I mean that like it's a, like I said, it's a lot to ask of such young kids. But my opinion, from what I saw, they meet the goddamn standard. They do the job. I, there's nothing more impressive to me that I've seen in my life than to be a part of and see the Marine Corps infantry and how it, and just how it works, how it actually works when you get behind it but there's that 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 dangerous spot mm -hmm. and I, my boots told me that they went through it too when i was back in north carolina last month i was visiting with someone and they said there was a period of time where kids were getting duis he said they were like we got back from okinawa and you guys kind of because your seniors are at that point where i got back from oki i had a month and a half i was not doing shit mm -hmm. i was not involved with the platoon i was out I saw him, I showed up in formation. I was like, later boys, you know, and I would drink with them after work. But you got seniors that are at that, and then you got some that have to stick around and, and kind of hold on to a leadership billet. But that, at that point, they're like handing it off. They're like, just take mm -hmm. it, like I'm done. Like, I just want to go to TRS and check out. And, and I, I, you know, I talked about this on Savage Wonder, the podcast I was recently a guest on, but he was like, the Marine Corps infantry is very unique in that it's a lot of four and out. It's a shit ton of guys who do four and oh, mm -hmm. and they're gone. Because you just, it, they get it. They fucking get it out of you in those four years. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're but, definitely um, working pretty hard. That's why it's always amazing to me that some people will stay in for so long. But it's also, I also think it's, I don't even know. I was, I was open to it. I was willing, um, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but there was just really nothing they could offer me because of my NJP, unfortunately. 
Right. But I have a ton of respect for my peers who did stay in. Uh, you know, people always are like, don't do it, don't stay in. And, and I, I made the jokes, but I, I told them, like, I respect your decision, man. I really do. Like, all my peers that stayed in were, were really good Marines, and I'm proud that they're still carrying on and doing the job. But, um, you know, but so for me, like, I, I was a victim to that, that kind of danger zone where you're in between. Mm-hmm. Done with your deployment, you don't have boots yet. You don't really yeah. have shit going on. What are you going to do? Well, whatever the fuck you want. Gonna, yeah. Whatever you want. And you're just going to drink mm-hmm. way too much. You you realize at that point that you might be motivated and you you might be like locked on when everything is like go, 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 go. But you realize like there's a there's a phase where your own actual personal discipline is going to become extremely important. And what I realized was that I in those in, in that gap, I was not personally disciplined. I did not keep my shit together. And it, you know, I don't really look back and have regrets. Like I learned a tremendous amount um about myself and grew a ton and, and really became a writer. I got into this whole poetry thing because of that setback. But um it, it was a moment where I looked at myself in the mirror and I was like, okay, so as a Marine, I have nothing to gain career-wise. What kind of Marine am I going to be? And, you know, when my junior Marine showed up, I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to be their fucking senior. I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. I'm going to take the things I learned from mine that I thought they did well. I'm going to do that. I'm going to try some things out. I'm going to take the stuff I thought my seniors didn't do well and kick that to the side. Um, and, and I'm going to, I'm going to give these kids my everything. Um, and there were a lot of days where they wish I would have given a, a whole lot less but, you know, I trained the shit out of them because it was important to me that that platoon not go to shit. Um, you know, and between that and writing, that that got my life back on track. That, that, that saved my life, honestly. Yeah, it's, it's um, insane, like, what investing into this sometimes can do for people i can give them purpose and like drive but then for the for the uh on the other side of that some people are just you know they they know what they want to do and they get out and go and do it and me and a really close friend of mine always said we always said to each other like you said um there's nothing wrong with staying in if that's what you think is best for you if that's what you want if that's what you find happiness in then by all means do it man you know uh i'd support him at least um, but on the other side of it too, if you wanted to get out, if you knew what you wanted to do in life, then get out, you know, do, do what you want to do. Yeah. I, I hit this weird point where, um, I had like kind of given up. I, I mean, I was a PFC and then I got, I got Lance Corporal back at ITX at right at my three-year mark. So I'm like, career's not going anywhere. Right. And I was mm-hmm. selling. Um, you know, me and my buddy, I was talking about, you know, me and my best friend both got DUIs right at the same time. And we were still, you know, team leaders and then filled in as, as squad and section leaders occasionally when we had to, um, just because we were really, really good at our jobs. We we're both really good machine gunners, but we were PFCs the whole workup, you know, in charge of other junior Marines. And, um, you know, we, we got noticed for that because it was just unusual within the battalion. And, um, you know, we're in Okinawa and my sergeant major is like really trying to keep me in. Um, at this point, you know, the, it, it, I guess it just, it, it, it was noticed that there was still a lot of give a fuck, 
even after losing rank because people who are still like in competition for corporal and sergeant and like school school season like those guys are going to compete right but when you've got a you know two pfcs that are just out there just like bulldogging the shit out of out of the heavy guns platoon that gets noticed because it's like these guys just love being machine gunners they're just really good at it you know so they were trying to get me and my buddy to stay in and i said look if you can get me i and i duty training reservists in new orleans with full bah as a sergeant uh I'll stay in. I'm like, possible. There's no way you can pull that off. I'm at the I'm at the gym on Schwab, and my my junior leans over my face. He's like, Lance Corporal, uh, Sergeant Major wants to see you. And I'm like, off work. It's Friday. Like, like what? He's like, they called me and told me to come get you because there's like no signal in Okinawa. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I walk from the gym down there. I'm talking to him. He's like, I can do it for you, but it's in Shreveport. And I'm like, Shreveport kind of sucks. I'm not really that into it. I'm like, also, and I was also like, but how? He's like, well, we could get your NJP expunged through. Yeah, I know, right? He's like, we would have to, you know, pull some strings, but the battalion commander is willing to put his name on it that you deserve a second chance. And I was That's like, how that damn, works, really? They can do that. That's insane. Because mine went to regiment, they were not able to pull it off, but they got it done for a guy who's. Who had a battalion level? That's crazy. Um, I wild, I right? always thought once you got NJP, it's it's there, like it's it, it's not it, going away. It can be expunged, but it's a whole difficult process. They were they were hmm. willing to do it for me and for my uh, my buddy. Um, he was like, absolutely fucking not. I was like, well, I'm almost thirty at this point, mm -hmm. and I'm open to it, especially if they can get me I and I duty in like a city kind of away from the flagpole, like. And BAH in an apartment, I can kind of like have a life again. So they were not able to pull that off. Um, and we and I, I also couldn't do New Orleans. I, I I had kind of negotiated my way to Austin, Texas. So um, interesting enough, Constellation Group One Thirty Eight is the first sergeant in charge of that INI station. So I would be working for him if they had been able to pull off that crack deal. Which is I, I talked to him a lot. He is. Uh, he he is in the same vein as like Killzone. He's these staff NCOs and officers who are using Instagram as uh, Red Stick Red Stick Six calls it the the modern open door policy, where these I, I like I, I think it's a good you know I don't yeah know I like Red that Stick. I like that actually I don't know if you follow Red Red Stick Six or not but I think their I pages do. Are, their pages are very leadership focused. Mm -hmm. He's in charge of all of the recruiting in Louisiana, and he's a native of Louisiana like me. I've been meaning to like link up with this guy in person and like, you know, grab coffee or, or a beer yeah, or something yeah. and, just, and just talk shop because I, I'm a huge fan of like what he's doing. What const when I started my my the, the poetry Instagram in, in Okinawa, Constellation Group was kind of just getting that page running, you know, focusing on like military professionalism and like, you know, it, it, it just it gives really good sound advice and sets a very good example young marines in my opinion i think it's dope and i think it's good for the culture but um he followed me and i messaged him i was like rock first aren't <laughs> like <laughs> well, yeah what the like, fuck do i say you know <laughs> i was like uh i was like i am gonna just yeah be like i'm ter i'm terrified of my staff and ceo is finding this page and absolutely <laughs> ragging on me for being a little poet bitch but uh <laughs> you know yeah no i think there's definitely a lot more support than um people would have initially thought you remember you remember when we were coming up and, and instagram was nothing but like meme pages yeah complaining about being a marine and it was just yeah like, i didn't super, like social media was like a super like toxic negative environment yeah. it, was just, 
very much like so i've at, at patrol base abate i met you know some guys who were you know those three five dark horse singing bats like those dudes were like hardcore and a lot of them were like yeah no terminal lance is what swung the marine corps in this direction where being a ship bag was like cool and i get like a lot of the early comics the terminal lance like what they're about mm-hmm. uh, and, and it, it kind of it, it is it's, it's from the point of view of the guy who like just could never pick up because scudding scores were just like retarded high and like that's a thing but it did skew toward this thing where it was like being a shit bag is what's cool now and there are certain things that admit are like oh he's a shit bag like because you don't look quite perfect in your camis or whatever but to me i'm like you know what's not cool? Not knowing your fucking job. Because you're going to get somebody killed if you ever have to do this in real life. Right. You know what is cool? Technical and technical proficiency. Knowing your goddamn job. Being proud of your job. Being a machine gunner is the coolest job I will ever have in my life. Yeah, man. Yeah. You pay a ton of money to rent and shoot these guns at ranges. And I was able to go to a range and be a goddamn squad leader and conduct them like yeah like just orchestrate yeah orchestrate destruction that's kind of it's kind of neat fires yeah Yeah. so i'm like it's when these pages kind of started coming around so like i know l street like you put out a a, a more of a a just pro like pride like really like it's like pride in the culture i mean so i'll say this because yeah yeah i'll say this because i'm sure some of the higher-ups will inevitably listen up listen to this maybe not but you know whatever um i never yeah i never had the intention of starting this and just like having the mentality the whole time just fuck three six fuck the marine corps it it really wasn't it it was more of just you know getting a laugh out of what was going on in the day-to-day and then i wanted to be um more of a positive influence than just a menace i wanted to help people and through gofundmes we've done that through um i've even yeah i mean yeah at times i even kind of didn't realize it because people would be telling me sometimes i was like when i was calling out um people in the chain of command for like drinking when you know their marines can't drink like they get absolutely fried for drinking when i called them out on that because that i always i was like yeah that's no fuck no Uh, i'm gonna fucking put you on the spot for that there, there needs to be someone to put people on blast for their hypocrisy. That's the entire Stu Scheller situation in a nutshell. And what's interesting is like, so there were a lot of these shitty meme pages that were just sitting around complaining and whining and bitching. And then you have pages like yourself, Terminal Chiwo, right? Mm-hmm. It's meme pages, but they are using Yeah, it's more of a positive, to, yeah. A positive influence, but also like to to check. Yeah, yeah. Who are running away with their authority in these chains of commands. And I've seen it done on a couple other pages too. And I'm always very about it because I was blessed to have mostly good chains of command, but I've also seen what happens when a chain of command just goes like sour on their Marines. And Mm -hmm. it's like, you have this horrible morale where it's like the company versus the staff. And it's like, you're fighting each other when you're supposed to be shooting the same target. And a lot of it comes back to just, egos in the office mm-hmm. that don't that don't think of or give a shit about their marines yeah and that is unfucking acceptable i i mean ultimately people are going to think whatever they think about the page i know i'm not going to be popular with probably anybody in the chain of command and that's you know that's fine um 
But, I'm right there with you, bro. I I I write and I share and I, I speak from the point of yeah. view of a guy who got got out as a terminal lance, man. Like I speak, I speak for the sergeants and below. I speak for the guys who are in the trenches doing for doing the goddamn job and getting out. You know, and and because that's what most of the Marine Corps is. And like God bless the guys who stick around it and and facilitate continuing to move this thing forward. But you know, we for for every. For every staff and CO all of us have had that was just an incredibly positive role model who was there for mm-hmm. the right reasons. We've all met a guy who just hit a certain point where he was like, well, I'm doing 20 because that's what I'm doing. And and, and fuck whoever I have to step on to get to the end of my 20. Um, that shit happens and it's real. But not even just that. Like the, You've done a ton of GoFundMes. Um, yeah, I know, mean, I added it up recently. I think... I think we're probably like from just the people donating on my page and then all the other pages that I'd hit up because I'd use all these networking, um, all this networking that that I've now have access to, to, you know, spread the word really when one of our own is hurting and needs help. And dude, I'm, I'm not kidding you. We probably just as a community have probably raised probably close to a hundred thousand just off the GoFundMes that I've put out. And then, you know, I I think about... Yeah, it's close to that, dude. It has to be. There's. I had a feeling you were gonna say that number. I had a feeling it was yeah. gonna be that that hundred k come out. But I mean that that's just it's powerful. It, yeah. It speaks On to, um. It speaks to the community and it speaks to what people can do. I, I told my little brother kind of about like you know I was talking about patrol base Abate. He said oh, I thought they were like very established. He's like I didn't realize the retreat you went on was the first one. He's like how how'd you find out about them? I'm like social media. I said the veteran community is incredibly active on Instagram. Oh, dude. Like for, yeah. for whatever reason, like the veteran community just loves Instagram. They are in there yeah, and they're yeah. networking and they're talking to each other. And so I I, I thought it was so cool when um, the, the group chat was made while, while the guys, while, while the Marines were over in Afghanistan and we started uh, Operation We Do It For The Boys. Yeah. I, I did not contribute much besides just really spreading the word out there. And putting it out there but you realize mm-hmm. like once you once you have a platform a couple thousand people who listen to what Dude. you say you realize that you can use that to do things yeah. in the real world and affect change and make something happen yeah dude it's absolutely insane and i was um you know at first you know i had this idea of you know starting getting a group chat together and i was like yo these dudes are hurting these dudes are tired. They've been worked beyond anything anybody could imagine right now. Uh, I remember, yeah, an absolutely impossible task. I had a buddy in 1-8 that was giving me updates here and there whenever he could, and he told me one, at one point, he's like, yeah, I haven't slept in three days. I was like, dude, what? And then anyway, so, yeah, yeah, I grabbed, uh, I grabbed a bunch of pages, and then, you know, Mission Essential came out. He's like, hey. I want to like organize all this. I got a warehouse. I can, you know, I can actually do this, the logistics of this. And I was like, dude, cool. yeah, I was like, fuck How yeah. Cool yeah, How dude, cool that's, that's amazing, dude. And, um, it's incredible too, because yeah, dude, it's, it's incredible because we're just random individuals. This really isn't, we aren't anything special. We're just any other dude. And, but when we come together, as a community it's really incredible like you can really really like bring about physical change for the better 
and you can do it so easily because like you said so many people are plugged into that veteran community with all these pages and stuff and and you know i feel like it's almost like like a duty to be able to help people and actually like use that for good and not just you know waste yeah, it I know, for, I know for me like my talent is writing and my talent is being able to, to connect with people and and to 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 hit on like hard subjects I was incredibly inspired during the the events that were happening in Afghanistan, and I wrote a lot about it. And so many people reached out and told me, like, you know, these words you've said have helped me. They've helped me, like, make, they've helped me process this. They've helped me make sense of this. And, like, if that's all I can do, sweet. And if I can be involved with, you know, like, our, our do it for the boys thing, like, cl clearly, like, Reagan over at Mission Essential Gear has like the the physical infrastructure to make a lot of things happen. I got to see his warehouse and we were kind of talking about how he got started. And it was just him trying to get like, really just trying to get like tools, manuals out to guys at a cheaper price. That's kind of where it started. And he's blown it up into this thing that's awesome. He's, he's kind of connected and linked in with a lot of people who are doing real things. You got goons up who... Not just as a as a company that sells T-shirts and this and that, but I thought that he was a big part of this change in the culture online for veterans. As well. I don't, I honestly want to say he's the one who really spearheaded this whole thing because I, I kind of noticed um, when Goons Up kind of first started. I think I vaguely remember it. I knew what the page was, but then I started seeing all these other pages come up, like DD two fourteen memes, yeah. and. Um, you know, like Lance Corman and goons up. I would say like, I learned, I would say that I learned how social media works mm -hmm. through watching what goons up did. Yeah. Cause he just, he engages. Yeah. And it's such a, so much. Yeah. With his community. It's such a and, broad thing too. It's not even just like specifically to the Marine Corps. It's like the army, even other countries, you, you see yeah. um, videos from like the Brits to the fucking Germans, it's, it's Aussies. This whole thing is if it's belt fed, it's yeah, on the page. yeah, dude, it's you fucking see, badass. Mark 19 Monday, 242. Yeah, dude, Saw Saturdays are my favorite. That popped up right after I, me and my guys had gotten back from Syria, and we had taken a ton of pictures and we hadn't shared any of it because, you know, it, it was weird to me, honestly, to watch this stuff go down in Kabul because those kids were posting directly to their Instagram. Yeah, dude, this was like there. almost in live, it was almost like a sports game. It was just in, you're Bro, getting updates weird. in live time. I was like, bro, when we went to Syria, it was very much like if you post anything on social media, like you're getting fucking NJP'd and you will serve out restriction here and you will serve out restriction back home again. Don't you post the goddamn thing. But we had these pictures and we were home. It was over. Goons up and starting. I'm like, I have dope pictures. I'm sending them in. And it was just cool to see like the machine gunner. Like, you know how machine gunners are, bro. Oh, they're, yeah, uh, dude. A, a cult within a cult. It's awesome. And yeah, it's awesome, dude. <laughs> why? To me, that's part of why it just took the fuck off. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Pages like Killzone get the same traction without a Goons Up there first. Like Goons Up is was almost this like gatekeeper who like if he shared your shit, you were gonna get big. Yeah, you dude. Know? Yeah, yeah. I remember um, too. Um, one of the coolest things I was I've ever done with this page, and I still think this is the coolest shit like I've ever done in my life. Like I'm actually really really proud of this. Was I don't know if you remember, but um, last Christmas when we had 
when I had um, a friend of a 3-6 vet from like Marja time frame, he, he messaged me and he said, hey man, um, you know, I, I had this friend while I was in and fortunately he killed himself a few years after we got out and he left behind this uh, a very young son. And he said every year I've been getting dudes together to, you know, get him some kind of gift so that he knows, you know, his he has that connection to his father and to um, the family that he had. And so he said over the years, though, you know, obviously people kind of dropped off and um, this and that. So he messaged me. He's like, hey, man, would would you want to help out with this? And I did. I said, dude, absolutely. This is fucking awesome, dude. And so I started putting the word out and, you know, I thought, yeah, I was like, yeah, people are probably going to get behind this and, you know, go out of their way to get a gift or something. But, dude, the, the response was overwhelming, bro. I had so many people messaging me, um, like, hey, what's the address? Look, can I send a card? Can I, you know, what what can I send? What does he need? And I was like, dude, like, you know, yeah. And then I remember seeing the, uh, that, that guy was messaging me. He's like, dude, you would not believe like the look on the parents' face and like, you know, just he was sending me screenshots of some of the stuff they were, uh, like the pictures of like the cards and stuff and just, you know, them happy. And and he sent me a screenshot of what one of the parents had posted on the Facebook. And she basically was just like, I don't know, you know, any of these people, but I'm like in tears over the generosity and the, um, you know, the love, like the genuine love uh, or somebody they didn't even, they don't even know, like someone that's not even alive anymore, but they, they care for their son, you know, it's people like we didn't have any type of connection with, but we give a shit about them because they were fucking Marines and they were in three, six and you know, like we take care of our own. And I love that. I love it. I think it's so cool about what, what you've done is that it's, it's, it's a thing that is very much for the community at large. But within that, it is also, it's like, it's the three, six page, right? Yeah, dude. There's, there's, there's like, you know, like first battalion, six Marines, someone runs a page where they'll post like pictures that they kind of pull from one, six dudes. And, and that's cool. But mm-hmm. there's no, there's nobody doing kind of what you're doing within one, six, except maybe like me. And then like, so there's also Brian Basho that runs, I got your six podcast. He's a one, six Marge event um, up in New Jersey. He's, he's dope. Um, and then Adam of Coons Up is a one six veteran. He's also a one two veteran, um, but he doesn't he doesn't play those favorites. But um, he he did come to one six in person in like twenty nineteen, and he brought like twenty pieces and a couple cases of Yingling. And he was just like, "I'm coming. I'm gonna give away a couple shirts to some guys." Had like a Mark nineteen ammo can that we all signed, and it was one of these things where like. We had like machine gunners from other units come over, and it was like an uneasy truce because you don't, you know, you don't go to other people's. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah. You're just like, but like, yeah, dudes, dudes were like showing up, and they were like, "Uh, we're here because Goons Up is here," and we were like, "All right, yeah, you, uh, that's cool, man." Dude, that's that's uh, insane though. Is that he's created? Um, it did because it didn't even start out as him selling shirts or anything. It was just him like he's just like I just love fucking machine guns, and dude, he's like created this this sense of pride almost and in taken into the job. You know where that came from is because like we were talking about veterans are super plugged in yeah. to to Instagram. And he saw that gap and he was just like, I'm a Marine Corps veteran. I follow a lot of these military pages and they're all just shitty. Like 
They just <laughs> don't. They like they just they don't make me feel good about being a veteran or a marine or or any or any of this shit. Yeah, dude. And he was, he he saw the 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 need for and he became the change he wanted to see. Yeah. And it's still it's you know so your your boy Al uh, Brumfeld Block Three. I think it's so cool that he linked up with Goons Up to make Maneuver Up. Yeah, man. Right? He started so, it because um. Like, like we talked a little bit about before uh, we started recording when I was talking to him yesterday. Um, yeah. He literally, he was just telling me about just like the pride he takes into this. And he thought, you know, he saw what Goons Up was doing. He's like, well, why don't I create something like that with, you know, 03, 03s? You know, just like uh, the 11s. Yeah, yeah 11s. Like something specific the, the, to 11s. The main effort. The whole yeah, reason. Yeah, dude. I think the name's dope too, maneuver up, because our jobs are is just maneuvering. Yeah. It's dope. Yeah. And it was one of those things. I, I remember like as Goons Up got bigger and bigger. I had a lot of homies from Charlie Company that were 0311s. And 11s have like this respect for 31s. I, I will I, I personally always had a lot of respect for 0311s. I never in my life uh, an M4 is way lighter, but I don't want to fucking buddy rush hundreds of meters. Fuck that. I want to run my I want to run my heavy ass gun exactly to where I have to put it. Put it down, get prone and just sit my ass there and shoot. Dude, it's I wish way, I would have shot a belt dude. fed. I wish I would have been oh, able man. to get behind a 240, dude. That would have been sick. That's one thing I I never got to do. The, uh, no. Never, I never got to shoot anything uh machine gun related. I wish I had, bad. man. It's a bummer, man. Yeah. yeah um, but it, I was I was pumped when I saw that he did that. So I'll tell you like a little background on, on like on Albert and Block Three and all this. So I started I started writing like I told you um, my two year mark. I didn't start sharing on Instagram until year and a half later. Um, I'm in Okinawa. We're locked down. I have at this point, you know, we're not allowed to leave Schwab. So, and you remember kind of like the COVID lockdown. I don't know how yeah. it was on Lejeune, but in Okinawa they were like. No one's going to the office unless they have to. No morning formations, no PT. So we were all like, oh, so we're like off work? Well, yeah, dude. Okay, it, so. Yeah, that's kind of how it was for us. <laughs> so, it was like, it was like you're going to be working, but it was like two weeks to just leave and just chilling. Dude, it was like months of leave. It was irresponsible how much time they gave us. It was honestly bad for national security. And <laughs> I was using my personal Instagram to like pound the war drums and be like, these lockdowns are stupid. None of this makes sense. This is bad. This is bad. This is bad for everyone. This is not the correct way to respond, mm -hmm. you know? And without going down a, com a complete rabbit hole, I'm like, every problem from this goddamn thing has been government created, right? Like, the disease seems to have killed the same amount of people. Like, none of the things they put in place worked to stop people from dying. While on the flip side, it has destroyed economies, driven up suicides, cost people their jobs. Yeah, I'm like, dude. what? I'm like, there are now it's, there was there could have been one problem, an illness. Now there are two problems, an illness and a government that thinks that they can fucking fix it. So I'm just I'm branding raving about this on my personal Instagram. And I had watched all of Netflix. I was drunk constantly because I was pretty much done with the Marine Corps, especially when they came back and they were like, hey, we cannot get your NJP expunged. Do you want to do a two year extension? I was like, ah, no, I do not. <laughs> I want to go. I want to get out i want to go home i'm not doing two years free yeah uh, yeah so i was uh i would get drunk you know i would share my writing with people who were really close to me in the barracks and the guys were like similar to how it just absolutely hits when i post right now 
to the bigger audience, I would share with like one or two of them in the room and they'd be like, yo, they'd be like, dude, you wrote that? Yeah, because it's not what you'd expect. You would not expect mm-hmm. a machine gunner to emote in that way. Yeah. And they were like, that's crazy. And I was like, I would open my notes app and be like, yeah, I have like all this too. And like scroll through it. And they were like, what the fuck? They're like, dude, <clears throat> they were like, start sharing that shit. Put that shit on Instagram. And I did. And I really didn't want anybody to find out, but people did pretty quick because the imagery I use is very much my own. And I, I, I put a lot of one six stuff on there. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I'm incredibly proud to have been a part of that unit, but um, it just took traction and Albert you know, messaged me a couple of times. He's like, man, like, you know, guys, it was cool because guys were starting to reach out. And this is where I realized that this, this whole like combat, non-combat divide did not exist as much as all of us thought it did. Because just as many dudes from our generation who were like, man, you're really speaking to something that I feel that I haven't been able to put into words. I was having veterans, Marja vets, Fallujah vets reach out and be like, hey, you're hitting the nail on the head about what it feels like to be a Marine. And that's when I was like, oh shit, maybe beneath combat experience, there's a bigger universal experience that unites all of us with or without combat. And that's what I have found to be true, not just through running this page, but through getting involved with Patrol Base Abate, which the retreats have a pretty even mixed match of combat and non-combat veterans. And there is not this big dick measuring contest. There's not this pecking order that people think there is. People just want to connect. They just want to be around each other because they know that they shared some very basic experiences and they know that if called upon, right, this generation that did not see combat was ready and willing to do the same things they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you and, know. you know, the Sergeant Major of the Marine Corps put out a thing a long time ago. Um, this was back when we were still in Norway, I think, like, the beginning couple, the month, beginning month or two. Um, but this was, and this was, like, back in, like, January, something like that, around that time. Um, but he put something out where he was talking about how there's this whole, like, uh, combat experience versus not combat experience. And he said, what was really interesting to me was that he was talking about how when the Marine Corps, every time the Marine Corps has gone back to war, it was in moments where there weren't a lot of combat vets and there was just majority boots. This is the time where people need to be the most ready. Yeah. So I had, I had Al, you know, Albert, start, he mm-hmm. messaged the page, you know, one of these guys, it, it, it was all just so humbling to me because at the same time, guys are messaging me. I'm like, I'm just like you. I'm in a yeah. barracks room. I'm in a barracks room right now too. I'm going through it. I'm going through it with you, man. Mm-hmm. I'm here for you. Yeah. And that's a big, that's a big part of why I continue to do it because I give a shit about the regular ass Marine, but Alex yeah, hit me up and he, he had shared a couple poems he read with me and they were good. And I'm like, man, these are really good. Like, you know, this is, this is good stuff. He said, would you share it on your page? I said, I started this page from my writing. You know, I, I said, if you want to go down this lane of becoming a writer, you should you should make your page mm-hmm. and you should you that way you have ownership of it right. it's yours yeah it's 
it's your own content. And I was like, you know, and, and and there's a couple of other pages that have come up. They haven't gotten the same traction that Block Three has gotten, but Block Three, mm-hmm. as well as me, we 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 hustle the algorithm. I'm not gonna sit here and say that I don't. Mm-hmm. There are certain things that work, and kind of once you figure out how social media works, if you just get on there and hustle, right? And part of that is posting often. It's being consistent. It's engaging your audience. It's responding to DMs. It's sharing. Share. It's when people share your shit, you repost that. It, mm-hmm. it's, it's all these. It's all these weird little things that just make your shit get noticed more. Right. But um, there have been some other guys who have started writing who are very talented. Who are, they're, they're just they're not working Instagram as hard. But um, I, I every time. And, and some of them just don't write as often. This, this, this. There's the talent to write, and there's the talent to just be writing all the time. And I don't know what the difference is. Um, I, you know, and it's it's. Some guys don't. Maybe, they maybe might might not be as into it. It might just be a thing they kind of like to do. Mm-hmm. But I mean, for me, I love it. I I love writing. It does something for me. It makes me. I think it's made me smarter. Um, Lord knows I've done enough. Yeah, dude. To uh, yeah. Because so. I know when I first started uh, doing this page, I I didn't really care too much for grammar or anything like that. I just typed out shit and posted it. But then, like as I went on, and as more people started to follow it, I was like, all right, well, I don't want to just. I want to like articulate myself. I want to like. Yeah. I want people to understand like what I'm. Th- thinking and like trying to really say when i when i had more of the serious posts so it yeah, yeah. covered some serious stuff yeah dude there's been some like it's been some shit dude and i mean and one thing that's kind of cool um to me too is that uh we we always talked about like that whole like, like you said earlier in the podcast that that spot where people become vulnerable and um you know i think it's really incredibly, incredibly humbling to me that I had about two or three people. No, it was three. I had about three people, you know, actually DM me. And, you know, the way they were talking, dude, they, it sounded like they were in a pretty bad spot. And it was almost to the point, it was like they were kind of like trying to tell out. me. Yeah, they are reaching out. You can, and you, you, can, you can tell. You, you can yeah. tell when someone's to you from that place yeah you can infer it from yeah you, you, you can kind of read it you know and it's yeah you it's can... interesting and i've had some conversations with guys like that as well like we just need to talk sometimes yeah, and they, dude and they, they don't always know where to go yeah but, yeah you know and i always told people i said if you got no one else that you trust or fucking want to talk to like talk to me because like i'll fucking listen to you all day each time those people that uh messaged me i literally dropped everything i was like all right where you at dude and because i was like i'd rather go and sit with you and talk to you give you advice you know continually check on you and you know help you out of this spot than get a dm hey man we lost another one i hate doing those posts dude like i you know i love being able to do them because you know it's a way for us to honor our own but type in those words dude asking for those stories that shit it, it sucks it's it's fucking terrible. I my unit had two or three suicides within like a week in uh, in July. It was my mm-hmm. second week 
So when I went, when I got involved with patrol base Abate up in Montana, I did the first retreat as a participant. And I, I, I know kill zone through social media. And we talk a lot about writing poetry, this and that. So we knew each other, you know, through the internet. And I had just gotten a lot of my disability back pay. I had quit a job because they wouldn't let me off of work. So I was up there for the retreat and they needed help for the next retreat. They needed some more people to kind of stay on as staff. And a lot of stuff has to happen in the background to facilitate these retreats. Mm -hmm. So I volunteered to stay. And it's the morning that we're picking up from the airport, all these guys from Fight Club. And I get a message from one of my juniors. He says, hey... You know, I'm not going to name names, but hey, you know, killed himself. I'm just like, dude, what the fuck? Yeah. I'm like, you, what the you get fuck that. Happened? Yeah. You get that text oh, message and, I, and just everything you know, stops. And I'm, I, It stops. And it, yeah. but at the same time, I'm responsible for going in the background of making yeah. sure this retreat goes off without a, a hitch. There were a couple of times up there where I had to like just kind of wander off into the woods and be by mm -hmm. myself up there and just like take a moment. Um, it was heavy because, you know, there's not a lot of signal where we have the retreat, but we go into town once a day and everyone goes like hop in the river to like cool off and like kind of like clean up, freshen up and all this for like swimming. Um, so when we're down there, I get signal back and I'm just getting all these messages from people back in the unit, like about what happened, missed calls, this and that. People yeah. checking in on me, people that I did check in on, like my juniors who were very close to that junior, I made it a point to like call them that morning. Mm -hmm. Like check in on those guys, you know. Um, one of them was on restriction and not allowed to go to the funeral. That's the kind of shit that I like seeing yeah. ages like yours call out because yeah, it's like, no. yeah. what kind of heartless motherfucker doesn't let a marine off of restriction to go to his friend's funeral? Yeah, I wanted to bring that up. There's almost like uh, we're gonna go down a rabbit hole, so I'm gonna stop myself before we do, but. Um, there's almost like this disconnect and I almost want to do a whole episode just talking about this, um, about between the average Lance and then everybody in the company office. There's this huge, uh, I really genuinely feel there's just this disconnect and it's, it, it's almost shitty because it's, we all, we always teach in like leadership principles, like know your Marines and shit like that. But it's like, there there's almost people that are just like going out of their way just to make people miserable or like, they just don't. Yeah. It, it's shit like that. So I will tell, I will tell you the, the generation of people that are in the office that are Sergeant majors and first sergeants and, and master sergeants and company guns, that generation to the current generation right now, kids who were not even born when 9-11 happened, mm -hmm. there is a massive disconnect just between those two generations. Yeah, they're that's a good way of putting it. They're, they're incredibly different people, but it is the job. Right? I'm not a big fan of the TikToks. And, and oh, yeah, like, no, I hate seeing I, that shit. Shit's I, dumb. I, I had my own disconnect being 26 around 20-year-olds. When I was back, you know, helping do Operation Return to Base for Patrol Base Abate, I was visiting my juniors. I met basically my grand boots. I don't get those kids. I don't I don't understand them. I don't mm -hmm. get them, right? So I, I understand why a lot of people in the chain of command would just be like, I don't get these kids. Here's the, the thing, though, is technology and, and culture and pop culture changed tremendously. I don't think there yeah. was that big of a gap. I think there was that big of a gap between guys in the 70s, to the 80s, to the 90s. It's a little more counterculture, this or that, but like they weren't getting like cell phones. Like the cell phones have changed just the way people communicate with each other 
Right. Uh, I think I think younger generations suffer tremendously from growing up online, but that's neither here nor there. Here's the thing: what leadership looks like right now, what what good leadership looks like right now, is what Constellation Group 138, First Sergeant Seamus Flynn is doing, what um, Red Stick Six is doing, mm-hmm. what. Um, not what Bull Seven, whatever, whatever is doing. Wasn't he three six? Who? Sergeant Major Bull. Wasn't he three six? Fucking hope not. No. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That not not what that guy's doing because you can tell. No. Yeah. Okay. That's why I wanted to tell, ask you. You can tell when someone's using Instagram just to build themselves up mm-hmm. to, to somewhat like self promote and maybe profit down the line. You can tell when that's what it's about. And when I looked at Sergeant Major Bull, I'm like, this guy just wants to be a fucking like fitness influencer yeah. when he gets what, what And I'm... that's a hundred percent what he became. Mm-hmm. He's being weird. He was fake as fuck. But then you have, but not like that, right? Right. Um, but I will say like Kill Zones page, Constellation Group 138. Um, there's just there's a bunch of them. Yeah, out dude. There. Continental Marine is not. An upper echelon guy, but I love what. Connor but the, he means. talks like uh, he is, dude. You, you could, you know, he's, dude. He's really smart. And yeah, he's really very knowledgeable. Funny. Yeah, he, dude, he, on his own time, just goes dig up information. Yeah, dude. Pu- it's public information, but he digs it up and just gives it back to mm-hmm. Facebook. Yeah. Another really cool one is um Blakewater O three twenty six. Yeah, I follow him. Recon, he puts out a ton of great information yeah. on the tactical side of things because he takes all these things he's learned through recon, right? Which is the the pinnacle of, of tactical operation. They get so much leeway to do their own thing. I think a lot of what he shares is really only useful if you're in like a sniper platoon and have that freedom to to fuck with your kit. But I, I mean, just guys who are doing that are the ones who are gonna be able to connect to this young generation. And then at the end of the day, like whether you're capable of doing that or not, it costs $0 to treat people like a fucking human being. Right. And that's what the, that's the, that's the crux of it at the end of the day. Yeah. yeah. And what's, what's uh, amazing to me when you, when you mentioned uh TikTok, what, what I'd meant um, when I said, I hate that shit is that like, like saying when you don't understand these kids, like kids these days, I don't understand this TikTok shit where they're doing all these dumbass dances and uniform and all this other stupid shit. I, I don't understand that. Yeah, I don't like that shit either. But people like, and this guy's in the army, and um, but he's a command sergeant major. I think that's what they call it. Um, his, his handle on um TikTok is called Infantry Guru, and this dude is like the. The the type of leaders I wish were more um, prevalent in the Marine Corps. This dude, he's very down to earth, very like genuinely gives a shit about his soldiers. Is always yeah. putting out advice on how to be a better leader, and it's like good advice too. It's like because you know you you hear like oh you need to do this to be better, or like other shit like that that you're just like yeah no. But like when I'm going through this guy's account and I'm watching these TikToks, it, it's almost like like a dad talking. And he's just giving, like, just genuine advice and almost, like, this, like, love for what he's doing and for uh, the people around him. To me, right? So, like, you know, the highest billet I held was team leaders, time mm-hmm. squad leader. That's, that's, a, that's an older brother. But once you get to a staff sergeant, I, 
we the ncos and like the senior guys in our platoon literally would call our staff sergeant dad like jokingly like oh dad can we do that you know like um just like to fuck around but mm-hmm. he was a father figure to us you know and they're, they're not going to be super involved with the junior junior guys because it's, it's big brother's job right. to be the big brothers yeah but dad is there so your staff sergeant is there to be the dad for those ncos and that goes up to, to your company guns your company first sergeant your sergeant major your bc you should feel when you're talking to them like you're talking to a father figure mm-hmm. that you res- that you respect yeah because not all so interesting thing when i got my first team i went to their rooms like after work dropped blouse i was like hey like we're just talking right i kind of mm-hmm. went with pen and a pad so i just want i want to get to know you i want to know my marines i want to know who i'm leading so I, I talked to them about where they're from what they did when they were in high school you got a girlfriend you date anybody some were married got kids any of that shit right mm-hmm. what's your family life like none of them had a father figure in their lives none of them it's wildly common in the infantry it's a a lot of young men come to the infantry looking for a model of what masculinity should look like and our men at the top our men at the top of this pyramid should be like you described that wise fatherly Mm -hmm. like caring figure yeah and part of caring as a good father means you're going to be hard on your sons right when when they need to be had when when things need to be hard right you're not gonna sit there and coddle them when they fall out of a hike you're gonna mm-hmm. it's it's it would be i would feel disrespected if i was coddled like that. yeah it's just like I, I just did horrible why would you no, you know I, yeah. I want to be held yeah to the standard you join the marine corps to be held to standard right mm-hmm. so you expect them to come down hard on you when you fuck up you don't you don't meet standard but when you're going through some shit or when you need some guidance you know you would hope that they would be the kind of guys who really care enough about their marines to know them know what they're going through taking a vested interest mm-hmm. and do something about it you know I, I think that that's that's what i would that's the leadership i would like to see in yeah Make it, it, you know, it's, it's a a good unit is like a family Mm -hmm. and we should treat each other as as such. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, um, incredible. You mentioned that stuff because I'm going to leave the rank out and the name, all that, just keep his, uh, anonymity secure. But, um, I had this leader who from person to person within our platoon would almost, I even I don't want to describe this the wrong way, but the way he talked to me um, would be different from the way he talked to someone else. And that was the better um, connect with them to, you know, learn about them, how to talk to them, how to, you know, what, what do they, what do they connect with? You know, what kind of leadership do they connect with? And I really loved that um, he was like this because one, I built this kind of trust with him because I felt this understanding with him like he he got me like he understood and um yeah and just like he you know he could tell when i was fucking losing my shit you know he'd always have that cigarette and then you know even gave me advice too like i went to him for advice i went to him for guidance on how to be better and things like that but it's 
it you really when you get that good leader it's um when you get that good leader value it like really value it learn from as much learn as much as you can and then like even then learn more like really you gotta you gotta really appreciate it because you're gonna get those good leaders and then you're also gonna get those bad leaders yeah i mean good leaders like that it, it comes down to their people skills and not everyone's born not everyone is born with those kind of people skills and that ability to to connect mm -hmm. but i and i don't know if it's if it i don't know if there's a way because I don't, I don't know what ncos go through in terms of how they're they're trained i never became an nco but i knew how to just connect and, and network and build relationships mm -hmm. with people and, and and you know and just how to be up front with my junior marines about the fact that like things weren't personal unless you did something that was like the only thing that was ever personal to me was was things that were like almost like a sin against the culture like are you snitching on your friends are you like sleeping on Firewatch? Are you like, you know, if, if you fucked up in a way that showed that you, there's like, hey, I made a mistake and, and I fucked this up or, or you know, because I'm new, I'm learning. And there's, oh, I fucked this up because I clearly just don't care about it. Because when you show that you don't care about something in the Marine Corps infantry, what you're really saying is, I don't care if this gets somebody else killed downrange or not. If World War Three starts tomorrow, this is who I am. I really don't give that much a fuck about these small details that can cost someone their life. And I, I came down hard on things that fell into that category, but I've, I've just made it clear to a lot of people to my juniors as much as I could. It's like, this shit is not personal. This is just how it works here. This is the way we enforce standards. This is the culture. This is what the infantry is about. This is how, this is how, you know, like you do X, Y is the consequence. Everything here has some type of cause and effect, you know, um, and and they appreciated people just being real with them, you know, seniority and hazing and people like to joke about this. And, and I, my own, three of my own juniors have been charged with hazing and they told me the stories and I'm just like, that's like, if you can't do that, then what can you do? To, to your juniors you know but um, right you know there are definitely like the first time you're given leadership is as a senior and some you know this is the part of it where it goes astray because you got kids who are 20 who are getting their first taste of power and who might not even be that good of a marine and just bitter about the way things are so they're gonna come in and be you know, I, I I believe Marines have to check each other. You can't let your shitbag peer get drunk with power and try to go r run away with a, a boot for their own enjoyment. Like, shit like that happens. It happened to me. I didn't enjoy it. It probably still happens. It's not, not cool, right? Your job, your job as a leader, that, that, that old, on that older brother level, that, you know, at least, is to set the example. You're there to take care of them. You're in charge of them. Yeah. If they get in trouble, if they get in trouble out in town, if they have a problem with their marriage, if they, it, you should be the first person they call because they want to talk to you about it. And you might not have the answer because you're a young kid yourself. If that trust isn't there, then you're probably fucking up as a senior marine. And more than likely, you're going to have to go to a squad leader, a section leader, a sergeant, someone a little older, someone a little more senior, and they're going to be the ones who are able to handle it.
you know, hopefully yeah. you can keep things in house. You know, th there was a time in the Marine Corps where everything was able to just stay in house and people just handle shit together. And it seems like, you know, paperwork is, is what, you know, commands like now, but yeah, there's good, good leadership is, is just about understand. It's about understanding the culture and understanding people and understanding that underneath this Marine underneath the camis and the kit and the, the face paint and the weapons, like that's a human being as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. And you're, I want to say as a leader, whatever, you know, even if you're just a team leader, you're, you're responsible for those deeds of well-being. Um, you're responsible for like every aspect of it. And, um, you know, th there's going to be those times when you're a senior and you're put in those extremely uncomfortable situations that you're not prepared for. Like one time when one of, uh, one of my junior dudes came into the room and told me, Hey, so-and-so's, um, parent just died. And, you know, you sit there and you're like, what, what do I, you know, and, you know, of course yeah. I looked at him. And I said, okay, where's he at? You know, I didn't think, I didn't say that out loud. You just, you figure it out and you go and you be, you be that face that he needs. You be that fucking, um, that big brother, like you said. Yeah. You know, and you, it just being there with them is, yeah. is all you can do. But yeah. That's like, that, that's the thing. Like time is, doesn't stop while you're in that four years. Like, Everyone is a human being with a life and a, an entire backstory back home that they came from. And things back home are not going to just stop happening because you enlisted. Yeah. And, and you know, like that, that is, that's a, that's a situation that you, you, a lot of people will find themselves in situations like that or something similar to that. Like, yeah. Or even like uh, when, when your dudes will come up to you or I, I don't say, I don't want to say that like this is a normal thing because this is rare, but I, I know that this has definitely happened to um, people before where their dudes come up to them and they're like, hey, I'm thinking about suicide. Or, you know, you get that message like like I had where I'm reading through this conversation. I'm like, all right, this dude's kind of, uh, you know, reaching out. And you got to be like in the moment, dude, I'm not going to lie. I was sitting there. I was like, how to like, I don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't want to fucking you know, push him in the wrong direction. I just want to get him help. I, I, I truly don't believe there's a right or wrong thing. Yeah. Yeah. To, honestly. To say, yeah. To say in those moments, the person going through it just needs somebody. Needs someone. Yeah. With like, with if it's at the barracks, like, thank God you can get somebody there physically with you. Yeah. I don't believe, I don't believe a suicide should ever happen at the barracks. Yeah. Ever. I don't think so either. Because, because your boys are all around. You yeah. just go be, you don't even have to talk about it. Just go be mm -hmm. physically around your boys. You're going to feel, you're going to feel, you're going to. Yeah. Yeah. My, when like, I was know, going through some tough stuff in my life, I, you know, I, I leaned on my boys and I didn't even really like talk about it too much with them. It was more of just, just being around them helped. You don't like, I, like when I was going through like a lot of like rough shit, like I would just go hang out in the room and just like bullshit about whatever they were bullshitting about. And just get get out of my own head to just be around them, right? And mm -hmm. that the, the the dangerous spot is when people are in their first six months to maybe a year out, and they're at, at home, and they're alone. Yeah, and, you know, it's the whole like call your boys thing. I used to think that that meant like if you're thinking about. No, nah, no, like, it's just like just check on them. Call your yeah. boys. No, it literally means like yo, just make phone calls. Yeah, like if you. 
think about one of your buddies, if you see a meme that reminds you that it's just in anything, but beyond like we're on our phones all the time. Mm-hmm. So take some time to reach out to this guy or that guy. If they post something on their Snapchat, like respond to it. Or if they this is if you see something funny, like sit just be in touch, be engaged, like engage your guys. Yeah. You know, it, it, these are people you talk to like every day. And are you going to be able to talk to each other every day? Like when you get out? No, you're not. You're going to be too busy. People get jobs. People have lives. People, you know, they, they go their they go their ways and it, it sucks. It, it really does. But it's just the, the little bit of effort. Yeah. It it's, goes, it, it goes a long way. It goes a lot further than people think. Yeah, it's it's important to uh, to do that to check on your guys to check or not even your guys check on your friends your peers, because um, yeah, you get out and half the time you know I'll hit up some people sometimes and they'll be like telling me about the shit and it's like damn dude I wish I'd known this sooner I would have been you know talking to you more and yeah. or like or even just like being able to help each other because um, yeah, just because you're out that doesn't mean the boys can't help you anymore you know if you have a problem you know you can fucking message me i don't give a shit who it is like any of you in this unit or even just any marine if they're in a bad spot or something they need some help or even just advice like i can i can do that i can get you in touch with people that can help you they're like closer to you like maybe in your state and um yeah it's 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 so important because like once you get out i feel like that's when suicides really start to happen because every person i've talked to um mentioned yeah maybe there was one or two while they were in uh hopefully none but that when they get out as time goes on that's when it just starts to compound and it's it's really sad because like it's it's literally it's a phone call dude and they tell you to like to make a plan, but I'll tell you as someone who's 30 years old, like my plan has changed mm-hmm. so so many fucking times. You know, I was in college. Um you know, I, I walked on and that was gonna be like my foot in the door to strength and conditioning. Um, and I was gonna that was gonna be my career, right? Because I was gonna, you know, be, you know, uh, a, a practice squad player who worked out super hard on a, a major team. And I got cut over a knee injury. So like that whole connection gone and it's Mm -hmm. like, well, fuck. And I'm looking at like, well, this career path with this degree, it's like strength and conditioning. Um, You have to get a master's, do unpaid internships. I'm like, I cannot do that. So I'm like, well, I'll be an officer in the Marine Corps and maybe it'll be a career or maybe it'll just be a way for me to kind of transition in, back out, get a master's strength and conditioning. Well, then I get arrested and then I do two and a half years of probation and then I fall in love with a girl. Uh, you know, and then I enlist at 26 and I go in enlisted, like, well, I'm open to whatever options come my way. And I'm like, well, maybe I'll go Marsoc, Right. And I'm like talking to Marsoc recruiters and then I get this DUI and it's like, well, motherfucker, you know, like how many times can I hit the reset button in a decade? You mm-hmm. know, 30, I get out. I'm like, I just want to make as much money as possible. There's a ton of refineries there's 77 refineries between Baton Rouge and New Orleans all along the Mississippi River because of the fact that they can ship things in and out through these ports. ton of money to be made. Uh, I got a job in operations. It was a six-figure job. Um, I was completely miserable. I was working 12-hour shifts, rotating days and nights. I was like, man, fuck. You know what I really just want to do is write, 
be involved and proactive in the veteran community in whatever way I can. Um, yeah. And I think and, a lot of us try, yeah. yeah, when we, when we get out, I think a lot of us try and still keep that connection like in some small way. So, so it's, you know, they'll tell you to, to, to plan, but it's like, you're, you're, you're going to figure it out as you go. Mm-hmm. You just got to pursue shit that you're into. And like, honestly, just like do what makes you happy. Right. Like I'm doing what makes me happy right now. And it's not making me as much money. Um, I wouldn't be able to do it if not for, you know, the disability benefits um, through the VA. But it, that's a, you know, a lot of veterans have told me like that's a that's a building block. You can kind of work from that and, and use that cushion to to try to work on your dreams. And like, I yeah. you know, I want to I want to get into YouTube and podcasts and and just continue to to be a positive influence within this community. Um, you know, there's a lot of people doing a lot of cool things in the veteran community. And I would rather just be a part of whatever is going on than, you know, work at night shifts uh, because it pays super well. So, you know, but that transition sucked. I mm-hmm. was up and down and I was in some really, really dark spots, up, really up until I quit my job like some some really really negative just a, a negative space in my transition out and it wasn't until i quit the job and then i went to the retreat in montana and i like went full full steam ahead like with patrol base abate and just volunteered and did all these retreats and then you know um I, like i volunteered my time to go after i evacuated hurricane ida to dallas and then like pitched the idea of doing operation return to base to patrol base abate and they got a ton of food donated and served to these marines in two one and one eight as they came back from afghanistan and you know i i went out there and spent two weeks in north carolina just helping make that happen and it's like that's more rewarding and it does more good for my community and the, the people i give a shit about than any any job i, I could have been working at you know right you yeah, just, man. You gotta follow. Follow what makes you happy. Follow yeah. what makes you happy, man. That's, that's yeah. my advice. And, and I think that's uh, a good place for us to uh, finish off. We actually went about 40 minutes over what we usually do. So but that's awesome, though. We had a great, great I, conversation. I have a way of, uh, of running my mouth. So. <laughs> yeah, I do too, yeah. man. Don't worry. Um, go at the rapid rate. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for coming on the show with me, man. We definitely need to do this again. Um, Absolutely, brother. Yeah, dude, this was great. Um, can you can you do this with more than one uh... person? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I got oh, a couple dude. groups coming on to uh, just tell stories and you know talk about other stuff. Do do third deck lounge shit. Yeah, third deck lounge shit. Am, am, I, the, yeah. am I the first non three six? Um, uh, yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. Yeah. That's what's up, man. And That's kind of cool though, because it's still, you know, it's still it's right down the road. Yeah. Yeah. Relatable. Yeah. Yeah, man. But all right, it was good talking to you, come, man. Yeah. Come chill, chill on the lounge, bro. Yeah. All right. Talk to you later, man. And uh, rest of you guys have a good night.